From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my privilege to have as my guest Major General John L. Scott, U.S. Army retired, joining us by telephone from Payson, Arizona. General Scott, welcome. Well, great. Glad to be here with you. So, General Scott, you have an interesting story that uh, I look forward to sharing with our listener. Uh, You came into the Army a non-Catholic and, while in the Army, converted to Catholicism. Could you please tell us your story? What was your faith tradition when you entered the Army, and how did it come about that you decided to become a Catholic? Well, I was uh, baptized into the first Christian church with my dad when I was 13 down in Florida. Uh, and, uh, and we would go to church uh, uh, usually every Sunday. And as I got older, uh, uh, I went to Florida State University. Uh, I took a class uh, in... Uh, religion there, and it was taught by a Catholic priest. The diocese in uh, Tallahassee, Florida is right across the street from the college. And uh, uh, my instructor invited me to to go to Mass. I didn't know where Mass was. Well, I took my girlfriend uh, the next day to Mass, and it was the old uh, Roman uh, Mass. Uh, in Latin. They had... Yeah, a lot of it. People, I've never been to a church service like that because people were busy doing other things in the pews. And, um, you couldn't understand what was going on, and uh, people just seemed to be there and, and praying, but not part of any liturgy. So, uh, well, from there, I, uh, uh, I didn't go back. Uh, to a Catholic Mass until around 1974, I guess. And uh, but when I was in Vietnam in 1969 and 70, uh, I did. I was in a fire base. We just come in from the field after 30 days and uh, had a shower and uh, was in a bunker sleeping. And something was uh, had a hold of my boot. And usually that. That's either a bad guy or a rat. And uh, <laughs> so I woke up, started to draw my pistol, uh, and uh, it was happened to be this chaplain. And he introduced himself, said he was a Catholic chaplain, and uh, they were going to have a mass at the ammo bunker. So I went down there. Uh, uh, he said, "Come on down." Uh, I said, "I'm not Catholic." And, he said, that's okay, come on down. And uh, I remember his last words to me were, God loves you. And I said, if God loved me, I sure as heck wouldn't be here. <laughs> and and uh, I uh, went to the ammo bunker, and uh, and they had this service, and then they gave out uh, what I now know as the Eucharist, uh, and I'd never seen that. Uh, and uh, they handed it out, and... Uh, the guy next to me said, "Well, you, you, uh, you drink this wine, and you, 
eat this wafer and that's Christ in your body. I said, well, that's got to be good, so I did that. And uh, that was my first direct encounter in a, in a mass in the Catholic Okay, so so this was in Vietnam, and your rank, what was your rank at this point? First lieutenant. So your first lieutenant uh, on deployment in Vietnam. You've come in from a month or so out in the bush. And yeah. uh, a chance encounter, this uh, Catholic priest invites you to the ammo bunker, and you participate uh, in mass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so uh, what was that it? or, or uh, No, later I... Later, I went. Uh, I was uh, assigned uh, to uh, uh, the uh, in Germany. I was in Heidelberg, Germany, and I met several Catholic priests there. One of them invited me to, into the Catholic Church, uh, and uh, I went to RCIA uh, in the basement of the parish. Uh, church in his office. I think we met four times for an hour each. And uh, he explained the whole Catholic faith to us in four hours. So by this time you were married, right? You got married in between yeah. the time you left Vietnam and the time you were in Germany. No, I got. I actually got married before I went to Vietnam. I see, okay. Yeah. We were in, married at the Naval Station in Pensacola and, uh, by a, a Protestant uh, I see. Okay, uh, so you and your wife are in Germany, and you are going through RCIA. Yeah, yeah. and and we like what we saw. We like the other couples that we met and their lifestyle. And uh, uh, you know, I was invited to a a Catholic men's organization, and uh, and also my wife and I came into the church, and we were confirmed and uh, married in the Catholic Church. Okay, let, and, uh, let me pause, let me pause you right there. Let me ask you this: What was it about the practice of Catholic faith that uh, inspired you to become Catholic? Not only the activity of the yeah. chaplains and the leadership of the chaplains, but the Catholic couples. What was it about uh, those Catholics that attracted you? Well, you know, I was a history major at Florida State, and. Uh, uh, I spent a lot of time studying the history of Europe, and when I was in Europe, I went around and looked at all the cathedrals and all. And uh, I felt that Catholicism was—it was so well grounded in in the culture, and so well grounded in uh, in, in I think what it's meant to be grounded in in each of us. And uh, I. I when I would go to Mass, I felt like I was part of of the body of Christ. Uh, I felt like I was uh, part of this uh, this large thing that was larger than I was, and uh, which is something I think most of us like to be. And uh, uh, and and when I listened to the uh, uh, saints and all, and read what they said and all it just made sense it just it all kind of came together in my mind uh, and uh, led me into the catholic faith um, but you know mainly at, at that time in my life i think it was that it was the chaplains if i look back and 
you know, uh, when I needed something, when my wife and I needed, you know, to talk to somebody, there was a Catholic chaplain there in Nelligan, Germany. And, uh, uh, I was invited into the Catholic Church by this great chaplain named Tom Downs. And, uh, uh, God rest his soul. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a very personal thing, uh, to me, the Catholic Church, and it still is. Uh, so that's kind of a long answer to your question. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, so the chaplains themselves, uh, what was it? Leadership by example? Accessibility? Availability? Uh, what, what was it? Yeah. It was just the person. It was, you know, they, they were there, and they'd sit and talk to you, and then what they, and they'd listen. Uh, that's where I first learned one of the traits of leadership that I've tried to keep in my life, and that's listen before talking. And they, uh, they certainly did that. It was their, it was their charisma, you know? Uh, I won't say they were all like, uh, Bean Crosby in the, in all the movies, but <laughs> they, were, they were really, uh, I mean, when I go back and look at the people in my life who influenced me, a heck of a lot of them are, you know, chaplains, and, uh, and not all of them were Catholic, I, I would say, you know, a lot of my chaplains, uh, you know, were Protestants and, and all, and they were just great people. They they were service people. They were oriented on serving others. And I kept thinking, well, that's why Christ came. So what does your faith mean to you now, General John L. Scott? <laughs> well, it means a lot more to me than being a general. <laughs> uh, you know, I... Uh, it means everything to me. I uh, I try to live my faith every day, uh, and I and I and I try not to get knocked off my path or you know Christ's path uh, by things that happen. I uh, I uh, try to discern. I think that's a real. That's not. A, that's a, that's a Catholic word. I think <laughs> that I learned in that. Just to sit back and pray and think. You know, people say, oh, I'll think about it. Well, I, I do more than think about it. I, you know, pray about it, and I ask for guidance. I go to uh, uh, sit before Jesus and, and, and ask him for his guidance. And uh, he usually does it. He usually helps me uh, sort out what to do. I know one time I was up for a job, uh, uh, that would have moved me to Atlanta, Georgia, and as uh, 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 the uh, uh, assistant chief of the Army Reserve, and and I didn't get that job, you know, and I couldn't figure out why, you know, and then about uh, six months later, I had a heart checkup and I and I failed it, <laughs> and. Uh, I ended up having a double bypass. What I'm trying to get to is that sometimes uh, Jesus knows what's best for us. And uh, in my case, he, he knew that that job I would have had would have probably killed me. 
and uh, so he steered me through another door. Uh, they opened the door up in the Pentagon, and uh, I went up and worked uh, right after 9-11. I worked up in the Pentagon for two years, and uh, uh, it, was a, it was a different life, and uh, it was a part of my life that I'm, that I'm glad that I experienced. It was, uh, you know, you can really, when you work at all of these different levels, you learn a little bit at each level, and uh, and I sure tried to do that. But I would never would have had those opportunities if I hadn't, uh, you know, been guided by not just uh, Christ, but but by other people. I'm I, I keep telling my subordinates and my friends and all that we meet people in life sometimes for one day and they change our lives. I call those messengers. Mm. I'm talking to Major General John L. Scott, United States Army, retired, joining us by telephone from his home in Payson, Arizona. And General Scott, uh, you started out, what was your faith tradition when you came into the Army? You told me before, but tell me again. First Christian Church. First Christian Church, yeah. Protestant. Whole different, oh, yeah. uh, whole different approach Uh to um, services and uh, uh, the, oh, yeah. the faith. And uh, so you come into the Catholic Church where we believe in, for example, the transubstantiation. Uh, uh-huh. there, there's a lot more ritual in the Catholic uh, Mass than oh, there yeah. is in Protestant services. Oh, sure. and, and yet you were able to take to it pretty easily. How do you explain that? Well, at first, I think I, I said earlier, you have to learn how to listen and uh, and read and uh, and discern. And then uh, I was I was very lucky. Uh, I uh, uh, when I was in uh, back in after the Army War College, uh, when I was back in uh, uh, here in Arizona. Uh, I commanded an armor battalion here at Fort Huachuca in Arizona. And then I commanded a support group in Phoenix and then a reserve command in Los Angeles. And I had a, the uh, ability to, to see a lot of different people that I'd never been associated before. And I think one of the good things about the Catholic Church is that it is Catholic. It's meant for all. And and if you're from a certain part of the country and you never travel or never expand yourself, you don't see it all. And I was able to do that. And when you see all these different people and you experience, you know, the Catholic liturgy, uh, on the back of a jeep, or or in a cathedral, uh, you know what what it kind of does is grow on you, and you start to realize uh, that, that there is something here uh, that's that's much bigger uh, than I can control myself. It, it's it's something that's uh, uh, that 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 is what Jesus says, and you start to believe 
I think before you believe in all the all the terms and and all of the Catholic Church, you have to you have to put your your trust in Jesus Christ. You have to you have to come to grips that uh, that there's somebody out there who loves you. And you know how many how many times do we meet people that you know veterans? I do a lot of work with veterans, and what they need is love. And sometimes it's right in front of them, and they can't see it. So the the ability to to see sometimes what's right in front of you, uh, and accept uh, you know what Christ wants to give you, uh, and all of the rest to me kind of falls in place. You know, uh, believing in. Transubstantiation, uh, believing in this or that—it it all flows back to our belief in Jesus Christ as as a person, you know, and He is the truth. And you know, uh, finding out the truth in your life can and uh, can absolutely change it, and that, that's what I feel. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the chaplaincy in your experience. How long were you in the Army on active duty? Well, I, say I was 35 years in the Army, uh, about 12 years on active duty. I and, see. Uh, so a total of 35 years in the Army. Uh, in all yeah. that time, you saw quite a few chaplains at work. <laughs> a lot, a lot. What is the importance of a chaplain in a military unit, in your view, based on your experience? Well, there's 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 a couple of things that I would uh, when I do leadership talks in high schools and ROTC and all. There are really two things that I I tell uh, people you got to learn in the army. One of them is you have to learn how how precious your sergeants are. And uh, and and you got to trust in your sergeants uh, because in the army it's the sergeants who fight the battles. Uh, it's the sergeants who actually lead the troops, not not the generals. Uh, and you have to you have to you have to believe that. The other, and that means uh, as you get up the chain of command, you have your command sergeant majors and. Uh, they don't teach the, you know, the brotherhood between a commander and a command sergeant major like they should. It has to be a very close. And it's the same with the chaplains. There are things that when you have a, you know, and, and you're dealing with people in the Army. That's what generals deal with more than anything is deal with people. And, you know, you come to times where you don't know what to do. Uh, and I have found out that uh, going to my chaplains and sitting down with a cup of coffee or out in the field or wherever, you know, on the on the plains of Frankfurt up there, and early in the morning, and you ask ask your chaplain for advice. That's that's when you'll get it. You know, I mean, you'll get advice there that. That, that you can't get anywhere else. You can get advice, 
counsel from a chaplain that you can't get from any other officer in the military. Is that true? Absolutely. And uh, and and the chaplain is the only officer you can go to and have a <laughs> candid conversation without any fear of the substance of the conversation getting back to the brass, right? Yeah, but ho- hopefully, you know, uh, command sergeant majors and they they're they're edging in on that what you just said. But for sure, if you've got a you know, I I had somebody in in my command, a senior officer, who uh, and he had a, a moral problem. Let's put it that way. You know, and uh, I know what army regulations say. And uh, but I went to my chaplain and asked his advice. You know, and he gave me some advice uh, that. Uh, really helped me deal with this big problem. And I found out through the years that what you just said is true. Uh, you can go there and you can uh, you can open yourself, uh, you know, to your chaplain, and especially if he's a Catholic chaplain, uh, I, you know, because I'm Catholic. But I, I had the first female uh, Jewish rabbi in the uh, chaplain corps work for me. And uh, and I would go talk to her, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you, it, it's it, it's a blessing, and it's it's a hidden blessing. Many times, you know, they you, you see, you know, I got my chaplain standing here or something like that. Well, chaplains are, are I mean, you can do a hell of a lot more with them than just make them stand in formation. In, in the staff calls and all, you know. Uh, I know when I was assigned to the Pentagon, I used to go to the morning briefings uh, to the Secretary of the Army and the Chief of Staff, General Shinseki, and the first thing they did was have the chaplain get up and say a prayer for our soldiers. Yeah. That that really impressed me. Uh, here I am in the highest level of the army, and we start off, you know, with a prayer. So uh, it, it it sets the tone, you know. If you want to be a successful commander and be a good leader to your to your troops, which really depend on you to be a good leader, uh, you have to have a good moral climate. And one thing I used to tell all my leaders, sergeants and lieutenants, and all. Let's try to do the right thing the first time, and it's very hard. And, they, and you know, and you know the question that comes back: How do you know what the right thing is? And uh, one of the things I'd say is, you got to talk it over with somebody that you trust, and you can trust your chaplain in the unit, and uh, and you can trust your heart. You know. I'm talking to Major General John L. Scott, U.S. Army, retired, joining us by telephone from Payson, Arizona. So, General Scott, it sounds like uh, it's uh, uh, the chaplains are not only uh, good ears, good listeners, but also have valuable advice, even for high-ranking uh, oh, sure. officers. Especially for, especially for high-ranking officers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> can you can you give me an example where where uh, you as a general, a major general in the army, uh, benefited from the advice of a chaplain? Oh well, you know I had some guys that one of my signal units, uh, you know, young guys in the Army Reserve, and um, they uh, they were great soldiers. One of I think they were both E4s, and uh, and they got caught in one of the drug screening tests. You know, uh-huh. they came up positive. Right. Well, when you read the Army regulations and all, when I was commanded, they was pretty cut and dried. You know, it was it was it was a career killer at the E4 level, right? And, right. Uh, so. Uh, I went up there and I um, went up to San Francisco and sat on the dock of the bay with a company commander up there. And, uh, he said, these are really great soldiers. And uh, we really shouldn't throw the book at them and so forth. They were at a party. You know, he went through his, uh, yeah. And uh, he said, I got my chaplain here. And there was this young guy and he said, uh, yeah, he said, I know both these soldiers. Both of them are great uh, Christians. They, you know, both go uh, to my church down the street here, and, and they just made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't pursue uh, UCMJ actions against those guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, I, you ever take the Myers-Briggs test? Yes. Okay, Myers-Briggs tells you uh, how you how you make decisions. If you make them on facts, or you make them as much on who tells you the information, right? Right. Well, that's that's what I'm getting to. If if you trust your chaplains and your and your young commanders and all, and if you uh, if you have faith in what that person tells you uh, that will usually tell you which way your heart should go you know and of course in the army I thought we were always there to help lead young men even when they make mistakes because I don't know about you but you know the list of my mistakes is long and distinguished Well, so already I hear like uh, several roles that the chaplain plays that uh, contributes to the uh, efficacy of the unit, uh, the, the the ability to listen, the ability to give advice both up and down the chain of command. And what I hear you here saying is serving as an advocate, sort of like Christ sent the Holy Spirit to be an advocate. And in this case yeah. that you described, the the chaplain who knew these two uh, soldiers oh, yeah. was yeah, able to, to be their advocate. Yeah, he spoke up, you know. And uh, it's, it's because of my chaplains uh, and, a, and a couple of priests uh, that I became a deacon. You know, I didn't know what a deacon was. They, that was, you know, deacons are relatively in church history who... Uh, Late comers again here. And, uh, when did you become a deacon? It's about thirteen years ago. Yeah. What motivated you to That's do right. that? 
well, chaplains. <laughs> uh, By this time, about 13 years ago, were you already retired from the Army? No, I was in, uh, I was recalled after, I retired and I was recalled uh, right after 9-11 to serve two years at the Pentagon in the Army G-6. It was right after the plane had gone into the building. And, uh, I was working up there uh, for uh, in the Army G-6 uh, signal, uh, working for Pete Cuviello, General Cuviello, who was a Catholic, uh, and General Shinseki up there on the staff. And, uh, uh, and I used to eat lunch with some of the Army chaplains there, you know, in the Pentagon. And uh, it, was, it was just, uh, you know, they'd say, have you thought about being a deacon? And I'd say, well, yeah, what's a deacon? What does he do? And, you know, and uh, so I got to know some of the deacons uh, in the Washington area and all. And uh, so when I got out of the uh, Army the, the second time in... Uh, 2003, I think, I uh, started the diaconate program in, in Pensacola, Florida. I've been talking to Major General John L. Scott of the U.S. Army, retired, talking to us by telephone from Payson, Arizona. General Scott, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been a pleasure, and I, I help, uh, I, I hope that uh, you guys uh, keep helping your archbishop up there. Uh, I know him, and he's a, a great guy and a great model for all of our our Catholics. And, and what a uh, and what a great role model you are, sir! What a faith yeah. journey! What a faith journey! Hey, I was led there by the big guy. <laughs> Thank you. Okay.